Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Hello and welcome to World Weekly from the Financial Times. I'm Gideon Rachman. This week, we're looking at the French presidential election. After the first round of voting, it's now down to a straight fight between Emmanuel Macron and Marine Le Pen. The polls predict an easy victory for Macron, the independent centrist, but a lot can happen in the next two weeks. And joining me to discuss all that in the studio is Tony Barber, our Europe editor, and on the line from Paris, Michael Stoddard. Michael, I said a lot can happen. I gather today's been pretty lively. We're talking on Wednesday. Yeah, I mean, Macron has had a bit of a wobbly start to this week of campaigning. On Sunday night, he was at a fancy restaurant in Montparnasse, which, you know, led to accusations that he was the oligarchy as he celebrated with celebrities his victory. It wasn't exactly the image he was trying to get over in a race that is being defined as, you know, the elites versus the people, as the winners of globalization versus the losers of globalization. So within that theme, he was in the Whirlpool plant in his hometown in northern France today to try and explain how even though this plant is losing jobs as production moves to Poland, the government can help the people, can retrain them, can support the company in the context of working with the free market for the benefit of all, essentially. As he was there, dramatically, Marine Le Pen ambushes his media event and starts talking about how without the free market, these jobs would never be going to Poland to begin with. And this just shows the ills of Macron's lax policies towards the French people and French industry. So another sort of wobbly day for Macron. Well, how interesting. Now, Tony, it does sound dramatic. And yet, if one looks at the opinion polls, if you're a Macron supporter, you would take a deep breath and probably relax because the polls were very close to right about the first round. They said 24 Macron, 22 Le Pen. That's more or less what happened. They now suggest that Macron will win very easily. Do you see much chance that that will change? There has to be a slim chance, but the polls, even before the first round, on Sunday the 23rd of April were showing that a Macron-Le Pen contest would end up with something like 60% plus for Macron and 40% or less for Le Pen and that was staying fairly steady. I think the incident in Amiens in northern France that Michael's referring to is nevertheless fairly significant because it raises the question what on earth did Emmanuel Macron think he was doing going to a place where the accusation could be levelled at him that uh, here's a place where jobs are going and you can't really guarantee that they can stay. I think it reminded some voters of his inexperience, of his lack of campaign savvy And that is a vulnerable point. Plus, I think the fact that, at least to go by analyses of the first round of voting, Le Pen shows strength in areas of deindustrialization, areas of unemployment, and also among young French voters. So uh, Emmanuel Macron needs to be careful on these fronts. To put it bluntly, though, Michael, can you see a path to victory for Le Pen? Well, an incredibly low, an unprecedentedly low 
turnout rate is something which could potentially maybe lead to her winning. FN supporters are traditionally diehard and they turn out to vote, so high abstention rate helps the FN. She's been targeting over the last few days, in particular, Mélenchon voters, saying that maybe while they won't vote for Le Pen, they should abstain. They've been highlighting the fact that Macron is pro-free trade and pro the European Union, and Mélenchon is anti-free trade, pro-protectionism, and anti the European Union. So she's been playing up her similarities with Mélenchon and how Macron is really the enemy for them, and a lot of Mélenchon voters feel that. And the polls say that a third of them are going to abstain. If those numbers creep up a lot, that could potentially make a difference. But the problem is that the polls show that despite the fact that Mélenchon voters don't like Macron, still half of them say they're going to vote for him. Half of Fion voters say they're going to vote for Macron. And 80% of the socialist Amon voters say they're going to vote Macron. So these numbers are going to have to sway an enormous amount and there's going to have to be a huge abstention rate for Marine Le Pen to get any kind of momentum. We've still got a few days of campaigning left, and Macron could make some colossal gaffe. There could be some terrible revelation. You know, there's all to play for, but it's not looking terribly likely at this point. So, Tony, it looks as if a lot of things that are quite unlikely would have to happen simultaneously for Le Pen to win. Nonetheless... Do you think it's fair to say that if it is Macron, he takes over a country that is in a bit of a state because you've now had about 40% of the voters, given their first round choice, vote for extremist candidates of the right or left? Yes, that is, I think, an important factor. The combined Le Pen-Mélenchon vote was around 40%, whereas in 2012 it was about 29%. If one were to add in the kind of anti-system vote of a number of minor candidates, then you're creeping up somewhere towards the 45 to 50% mark. And so any mainstream politician or somebody from the technocratic elite like Macron is, needs to bear in mind this sense of resentment, morosité, it's called morosity. Yes, for sure, that's the case. However, I do think that should uh, Macron win, he will have a certain kind of star quality to him. This is a man who, until less than a year ago, had never run for any public office at all. He'd had experience of government, but he's still not even 40 years old. So he will have a kind of JFK type quality to him. Now, it's true that he could run into difficulty if his newly formed party doesn't win a substantial number of seats in the legislative elections in June. But I feel myself that the sheer momentum of having swept from nowhere to victory in the presidential election would allow him at least to have some kind of honeymoon. Nevertheless, all this does point to the importance of the elections to the French parliament in June. Yeah. So how do you see that, Michael? I mean, is your betting that Macron is likely to have some momentum behind him? Or do you think it could all run into the sand in the legislative elections just a month after he wins, if that's what happens? I think there's a really huge risk that he does become Hollande bis, you know, Hollande too. It's what his enemies try and paint him as. But Hollande's problem was that he wanted to go much further than the parliament, and particularly his own party, but the parliament would allow. And 
Macron, for all his good looks and youth and likely success, he's also not a political operator. He doesn't have a party. He's not going to have a majority. And all of the nice reforms that he'd like to do, I think there's a very serious risk they simply won't happen. And we'll have another five years of France sort of trying to reform, but never really getting there. And Tony, I mean, there's obviously the parliamentary problem that we've talked about. But more broadly, why is it so difficult to get economic reform through in France? I mean, this has been a theme now for 20 years plus. I think one factor is that in many ways, French public services and the French state are efficient and work extremely well and provide a very, very high quality of service. And yet, this has really been paid for by a public debt that nudges up a little bit each year and also by uh, budget deficits that have repeated themselves year after year since the mid-1970s. So at some point that has to uh, stop or be reversed, but not quite yet. So the sense that uh, urgent, urgent action has to be taken, I think it affects reasonably wide sections of informed people in France, but it doesn't affect the population as a whole. And I think the more troubling thing for a lot of French people is the sense that France has lost its international influence and its cultural sway in a world that has globalized so fast. And there's a tradition both on the right and on the radical left in France, dating all the way back to the Jacobins in the French Revolution, of taking a kind of patriotic anti-foreigner stance on this type of issue. And many people would rather plump for that than the kind of steady German prescribed economic reforms that you're talking about. And Michael, I guess those kinds of themes of France rejecting the prescriptions of international finance and finding its own way are very much the kind of thing that Le Pen will be arguing for. And yet it probably won't be a winning formula. Is that because there aren't enough people who support that ideology or is it because of a kind of separate taint around the National Front? I mean, do you think a different kind of messenger could beat Macron? I think you're absolutely right. When you talk about pro-globalization versus anti-globalization candidates, as Tony said, half of the people in the first round voted for candidates who wanted to reject the European Union, who wanted to impose trade barriers. So I think there's a anti-globalization, anti-capitalism, anti-international finance strand in France that's extremely strong. But I think what we have to remember with the FN is two things. One, the toxic legacy of their party. Many people in France think that they are racist and anti-Semitic and don't want to vote for them for that reason simply. Secondly, their plan to leave the euro is very unpopular. Only about 25% of French people agree that the euro should be got rid of in France. Anyone with any financial holdings doesn't want it to happen. It would cause chaos. It would make them poorer. This is a huge barrier to the FN really getting hold of the country. So while you know they may support intelligent protectionism to keep industrial jobs in France... They don't like the anti-immigration rhetoric and the chaos that would likely to be caused if they left the euro. So those are the two huge barriers for the party really ever making it. 
Okay, and then just to conclude then, Michael, I mean, we're talking sort of 10 days out from the vote. What should we look out for in the next 10 days in terms of any shift in momentum? Well, I think the big question that people are asking, maybe this is premature, but the big question is what kind of victory Macron has. If he ends up, due to a slightly lacklustre campaign with 55% versus 45 for Le Pen, that will be seen as a bit of a defeat for Macron. Going into the legislatives, it will weaken him. And going into his first year in office, it will also weaken him. So I think we should be attuned to the election and where the polls are as a barometer of really the kind of reforms that Macron will be able to get done over the next year. Okay, thank you very much indeed to Michael Stothard there in Paris and also to Tony Barber here in the studio in London. That's it for this week. Until next Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Next week, goodbye.